This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey, folks. Welcome back. I'm Peter Capelli. I'm Dan O'Mara. I'm a professor of management here at the Wharton School. And I'm adjunct faculty of the Wharton School and a partner at Ogletree Deacons in Philadelphia. Now I've run out of things to say. Yeah. I uh, always have more titles than you. That's really scary. Yeah. Well, I, at least I, I, I say more yeah, titles. You say more titles. There you go. Well, we're going to talk about other things today. We've got a busy show. We're going to get into the issue of what's going on in the labor market, the high end of the labor market, where... The big jobs are and the bigger money is. And with us to talk about this is Gary Bernson, who is the CEO of Corn Ferry. Corn Ferry is the biggest executive search firm and seems to be swallowing everything in its path these days. Gary, welcome. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Uh, Gary, let me just ask you about executive search uh, and your own career path. So you've been at Corn Ferry for a while. Did you begin your career out of college, I imagine, doing something else, Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a baby boomer, so I will have had five jobs compared to the millennials who will probably have 35 jobs in their career. But, uh, yeah, I started out at uh, KPMG, and I was a partner there, then went into investment banking and actually made an investment in Corn Ferry. That's how I, that's how I got to the, to the mm. And uh, what did you find the big change was from going from being an, a, an employee, I mean, I guess a uh, a KPMG partner, but investment banking too, but a regular organization doing jobs where you're running stuff into executive search. What was the big change like? You know, what I found that the big change, well, the big change of being a CEO, I've been the CEO now for 11 years, mm-hmm. is, you know, nobody will sit next to you at dinner. <laughs> so so <laughs> nobody nobody likes to tell you, you know, the truth. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and what happens? It's it's really weird. They 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 stop treating you as a person, mm-hmm. and they treat you as a function. Mm-hmm. And you can be as close to the CEO, um, but until you're in that chair, it's a it's a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. I heard this uh, from some folks about the uh, who were CEOs about the six. They called it like the six million dollar question or something. So. When they first became a CEO, they would wonder out loud about something, you know, like, I wonder why we have that parking lot there. And then the next day, somebody would have produced a report that cost, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars to do <laughs> <Yeah>. about <laughs> yeah. why there yeah. is that uh, that parking lot there. Uh, actually, a quick anecdote. In jo- um, what's your name again? Dan? Dan. Yeah, Dan. Dan. Uh, Dan knows our new Charlie Perry. Do you remember oh, Charlie? Quite well. Uh, former colleague here at the Warden School who worked for President Nixon, and he told a story about being on the helicopter with uh, President Nixon coming back in from someplace. And they're flying over B- the Potomac River. And Nixon says to them, or just says out loud, I wonder why that river's green. Uh, and within a week, they had done a complete study of why the river is green and what it would cost to make it blue. <laughs> just an out loud number. There. Well, that's true. I mean, as a, as a leader, as a CEO, you have to be... You know, you have to be very reflective, and, um, you know, you have to have plan C for plan B for plan A. But the thing you you can't do is just, you know, you can't fly off the handle. I mean, you've got to rise above, and you've got to have dignity, yeah, and you've right. got to bite your tongue, because it's not, it's not only what you say, 
but it's how you say it. Sure, yeah. And it has enormous yeah. ramifications. Yeah, because I imagine it's not just that the people who hear you, it's that your story will be repeated. <laughs> right? Oh, and it gets Whatever repeated, <laughs> and, and it gets repeated differently. That oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, some, yeah. Right? I mean, I, I stopped using PowerPoints because... The first, I'll never forget the first presentation I gave as a CEO. I was, you know, people, they, they die with these PowerPoint presentations, right? Yep. They're just brutal. Yep. Everybody feels like you got to cover every single word on the paper. Mm-hmm. And I gave the I gave the speech, and people came up to me afterward and said, wow, what's wrong? You know, what's huh? going on? What's, huh? You know, <laughs> and so I've, I've lost the PowerPoints. I do not do, I don't use anything now when I speak. It, it just... You have to be authentic. And, mm-hmm. and what I found as a CEO, you know, is I, I always try to check myself to to make people feel better after than before. Mm-hmm. And, and I never live up mm-hmm. to that yep. Um, yep. Yep. for sure, but yep. I try to have it in the front of my mind. It's a really good point that, that your job is not necessarily the project right in front of you. It is the you know, the bigger organization beyond you. So Gary has written a book called Lose the Resume, Land the Job, about executive, I guess, about executive search. Um, but before we get uh, into what's going on now with executive search, which we we want to get uh, into in just a bit, I wanted to ask you something else about Corn Ferry and what's happening to the world of executive search. You folks have bought lots of other organizations now, and uh, one of the things that might surprise a lot of people is that f- firms like yours, yours in particular, don't make most of their money from executive search anymore, right? No, we, um, you know, we've got we're a couple billion dollars in revenue. Public company, uh, only thirty-five percent of our top line comes from executive search. So mm-hmm. we, uh, years and years ago, uh, moved into you know organizational consulting, and so I would describe our firm today as a, as an organizational consulting firm. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that uh, has happened so often? Is that because firms aren't doing as much executive search? Companies don't go to firms like yours as much anymore. You know what I found is is a CEO, and 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 you know obviously being with other CEOs, there's this magical intersection of of strategy and talent, and so you know strategy without talent is is hopeless, and talent without strategy is useless. So, so you know making the you know the the the, the melody and the words go together um, is what it's all about as a CEO, and so. We had part of that. We had the you know the, the talent part, and now we're moving more into the to the strategy side because I do believe that those have to be harmonized. Okay. That that's the real trick for a CEO. It's okay. You know, it's ninety percent of execution is is people, um, and so you know, strategic thinking is all about execution, and that that requires people. So we're trying to blend those two. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk in just a minute about the book and about uh, particularly focusing on college grads who are entering the labor force. Before we get to that, though, I would like to spend another minute at the high end of the of the job market uh, and particularly something that you folks know more about than anybody, and that is sort of who gets these jobs at the very top of the organization. What would you say is different about, let's talk about the very top executives of companies. If you were to compare them to 
average sorts of folks, what do you notice that's different about them maybe as people, not just their particular business skills, but as people? What do they, what do they look like? How, how do they well, act that's different? you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you clinically, um, I, would, I would say that, um, you know, as we've studied this, it's, it's real simple. It's, it's learning agility. It's, it's being able to know what to do when you don't know what to do. So hmm. okay. simply stated, insatiable curiosity. So as we've, we've, we've assessed people, and as you said, every three minutes we put somebody in a big job, we've assessed you know, millions of executives. And we think the number one predictor of success is, is what we would call uh, learning agility or plain old simple curiosity. Mm-hmm. So people that have an appetite to listen to music, to grow, um, you know, to, to read, to go to different concerts. I mean, you know, my God, two weeks ago, I, was, I found myself at Coachella, hmm. uh, you know, and here I am, you know, baby boomer, um, obviously one of the older people in the crowd, but I tell you, I came away with tremendous learning. So hmm. um, it's, it's lear- you know, number one is, is learning agility. And then there's some other things that are absolutely, you know, kind of knockout punches today. One is... Um, another one is global experience. Um, that that is something that today can be a knockout punch uh, hmm. for somebody. You you have to have you know ideally lived in more than one place, okay? Uh, because the world is borderless. Um, so that's that's number two. Three is a high tolerance for ambiguity. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you know, you can write the world is not linear anymore, and it's not hierarchical. So, right. um, the ability to 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 deal with situations that aren't clear cut. So, mm-hmm. those are those are kind of three that you know mm-hmm. that, that we would suggest today in, in top executives. Yeah, interesting story about learning agility, and and uh, Gary may know this, but most people probably don't. Uh, we'll quiz Dan on this. You can just say yes sure. is the answer at the end. Um, but the uh, uh, the largest executive development program in world history was run by AT&T. And in the 1970s, I think they had 75,000 managers in their executive mm-hmm. development program. And they studied the heck out of them all the time, right? And the one thing that they learned that was predictive of success seemed to be learning agility. That was it. And then the whole yes. thing. Yes. Yes, that was it. Good good work, Dan. Uh, you see how <laughs> Anne has a, Dan has a very high tolerance for ambiguity here. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the one thing they learned, and that was 40 years ago, right? So it's all coming back uh, around to us now. Uh, okay, so those folks have to be a little different. In terms of what is um, different now compared to maybe 10 years or so ago, this idea, I'm sure, of global experience is a, is a bigger deal. Is there anything else that's changing about what these folks have to look like now in the very top jobs? Well, the thing that's that's interesting is just how many more jobs people have had today yeah. than they yeah. would have had. You know, it's funny because years ago, you know, if somebody had a lot of jobs on their resume, what were they considered? You right. know, they were they were called a job hopper. Right. I'm sure you remember that. Yeah. Yep. Now we look at it and say the opposite. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody's been at a company for, you know, 10, 15 years, we actually wonder, are they going to be agile enough mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to, to adjust 
and adapt to a new culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to so that's sh- a big, big change. Yeah, it's it's a big one. Uh, I just want to show off Dan's uh, knowledge here because I I play junior labor lawyer, and I just yes. want you to see Dan's junior social scientist here. Sure, Dan. How many different jobs have the average fifty year old had in the U.S. now? Uh, Thirteen. Very close, Dan. Twelve is the answer. Yeah. Uh, see, Dan is really picking up a lot of stuff here on that. Right? You know, so, I knew that because you've asked me that on the show that's before. Why, that's why I thought you would know it. <laughs> just, that's why I should I'm, have known it. <laughs> I'm tossing you a softball. Okay. On that one, right? uh, so uh, let's just remind folks what we're doing. We're talking to Gary Bernison, who's the CEO of Corn Ferry, the leading executive search firm. And we want to get into his new book now which is about college graduates and what they should be thinking and doing. The job. The book is called Lose the Resume, Land the Job. Gary, let me ask you, why did you write this book? You're spending all these time, this time with the big-time executives. This is a book for college graduates. What made you do this? Well, it's more than just for college graduates. I think it applies to anybody. And what I've seen okay. is, is people are clueless. They're absolutely clueless. They, they do more research buying a washing machine mm-hmm. than they do thinking about um, – you know their next job, and so um, I, I think that people have to be proactive. And just like you would do with other parts of your life, if you hate your boss, if you love the idea of, of jury duty because you just can't stand to go to work anymore at that place, you know people are so passive and so reactive, and they're they're like waiting as a fish to be plucked out of the you know great big blue ocean. Yeah. And that rarely happens. And, and, and if they do decide to do something, what do they do? Well, they sit there in their PJs and just blindly send out resumes. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. if you're doing that, you just as well go down to 7-Eleven and buy a, a lottery ticket mm-hmm. because your chances are about the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, had so, some folks on the air here who studied applicant tracking systems, and they said that the odds of getting an interview – if you sent a resume into applicant tracking system was, Dan, do you remember? Don't know. Three? I'm holding up fingers for Dan. 3%. 3%, Dan. 3% chance. 3%. Excellent, Dan. Yeah, yes. 3%. Only a 3% chance, so it seems absolutely right. Well, then you send out 33 and you'll get a... Well, you. well, you might, but my guess is, and I think what uh, Gary's saying is that that yeah. you you might not even get any then. Yeah. Um, you know, you might be one of those people who gets a non, right? So let's talk about what you should do, Gary. So that's what you shouldn't do, right, is to be passive and yeah. just toss out things. So what do you recommend? I, I first start with purpose. Okay. And, you know, you can have a debate on profit versus purpose, but, but I would start with purpose because – you know, if you're if you're happy, you're probably motivated, and if you're motivated, you're going to outperform. So okay. I, I sit there and say, what gets you up at 4:30 without the alarm clock? So the first step for me, for any any person, whether they're in their 60s, uh, 70s, or they're just graduating from college, is start with you know kind of a self assessment. Okay. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Blind spots. Hmm. And and from that, be be very reflective. And and obviously, as a college grad you're going to have to trade off profit versus purpose. Mm-hmm. But, but clearly, as you get older, um, you know, if you're doing what you love to do, you're going to outperform. So I say mm-hmm. start, start there, uh, then proactively do some targeting. Like think about, okay, what are the, what are the industries, what are the, sectors, what are the, what are the companies? Proactively target the places you want to work. And then do the six degrees of separation thing. 
um, which is all about networking, and you know that's a contact sport. So you got it. You got to roll up your sleeves. Mm-hmm. But but you know, and you got to have a good resume, and you got to know how to interview. And in the book, we you know we we cover all of that, and and what you know what you do on social media, that's all in the book. But but you know the basic premise is take control, be proactive, and and you target the industries and sectors and cities and companies that. Uh, where, where you want to work. Mm-hmm. Your publisher uh, says that you've got the answer to the question of should your first job be looking for money or looking for passion? And let me say, if my son is listening, I hope your answer is money, but uh, maybe not. So what do you say? <laughs> I don't know. I better ask Dan. Yeah, Dan, Dan what do you answer? think? Passion, but enough money to get you off Peter's couch. Or you you will soon have a job exactly. hunter yourself, right? Exactly. So, uh, what, uh, what let's do you hear think? our experts' yeah. answer to the question. What do you think, Gary? You know, I was just on a college campus, and I gave a big, big, you know, talk on the, on that. And you know, kids raised their hand, and they said, "Surely, you know, look, we got to pay our bills. We, mm. you know, mm-hmm. we know what our purpose is." And so, I, I do think at the beginning, you clearly have to err towards the side of profit. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. You know, I'm I'm going to be very, very practical about Good. that. But you know, the other thing is. You're not you're not going to be there for a lifetime, yeah. right? This is you know you are going to have thirty or thirty five different you know employers probably. Uh, my my twenty five year old who's the oldest five, she's on her third full time job really, uh, yeah. by her own choosing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So you know it's not a marathon. So as you start out, you say, hey, you know, what's important to me? Is it profit or purpose? And, and I would say. Once you solve that, the one thing that that you just can't, you know, it's kind of a non-starter. You, you really have to be learning. I mean, if you're if you're really not learning, or you hate your boss mm-hmm. and the culture's not right, th- then that's you know, yeah. profit versus purpose is kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I think this learning thing is something that certainly resonates. Uh, the kids understand that because you're trying to become more valuable. And if you're not doing that at the beginning of your career, where the learning curve is the steepest, you're you know you're kind of in in some big trouble there. Uh, you talk a little bit about what parents should do for these folks who are kids who are leaving. You know, as you were describing before, the self assessment. Um, you know, most people are not great at self assessments, but do you think as a parent you can do it for your kids, or are they just going to hate you if you do? No. Yeah. No, they're not going to, number one, they're not going to listen to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely not. I mean, but, but what I have found is what parents can do is, is get other people mm. that, that mm-hmm. can talk to them. And, yep. and that's my best advice because mm-hmm. I've, I've got five kids, n- none of them listen to me, but I'll tell you mm-hmm. that the number of friends of mine who their kids have come to me and that they actually do listen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You could swap you know, kids so for that, a while. <laughs> yeah, swap kids. It works. It, it it really does work. It really does work. Yeah. So, in terms of things that uh, predict career success, uh, it sounded like learning agility for top executives is a key. When is it the same for folks further down the food chain? You think, or younger folks? It is. It, mm. it is. I mean, you know, clearly, look. There's, you know, w- w- when you first start out, you're going to be doing, you know, very repetitive tasks, and you know, as you go up. You know what you want in somebody who starts out is, is you know they're, they're going to be very action oriented. It's repetitive tasks. They're going to be followers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know there's kind of six stages of a career, and and kind of middle way there, it, it kind of flips. And what you don't want in a C-suite executive 
is you don't want rapid fire decisions. Oh yeah. You don't hmm. want the hmm. you don't want the fighter pilot. You don't want the surgeon oh. mindset. You want people who are going to be very very reflective, um, you know, complex creative thinkers. And again, you know, have a, you know, have plan B for plan A. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. happens is, as we've studied this, executives' thinking styles, they actually, those that, that, that make it to the C-suite actually make that flip midway through their career, oh, yeah. where they mm-hmm. become less rapid-fire decision-making and much more about the right brain. And the- so... Yeah, I was just going to say that's got to be a pretty hard thing to do, right? I mean, is it because well, it is. that's why very few that's why very few people make, make it? it. Yeah, um, that, that's exactly right. I mean, a- anybody can do the left brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's that's pretty straightforward. You know, analytical skills, reasoning, all of that stuff is. You know, there's a whole host of people that can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also found there's kind of a negative correlation over a certain level of IQ and CEO success. Really? Which, no kidding. which maybe explains why I've been doing this for oh. 11 years. But, <laughs> but yeah, because, because what, what happens is, you know, you, you go from the left brain to the right brain. So it's really not so much about strategic decision-making anymore. It's about getting people that will follow you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and that is not easy yep. to do. So if, but, you tr- if you try to be an analyst at this, in the CEO suite, you're not doing your job. You're not doing your job. And that's mm-hmm. what we found is that with the, you know, the kind of above 128 IQ, you know, you, you, that's exactly what happens, right? You, you may, not always, so I don't want to generalize, but you may find people that don't, that, that, that can't connect, mm-hmm. you oh, know, wait. and so... Well, that's totally intuitive to me, that at IQs, say, above 125, 128, mm-hmm. that you're less likely to make it in the CEO suite, and you're less likely mm-hmm. to do well there, because I've just, having rubbed elbows with a lot of high IQ people, sometimes their communication skills are not that good with mm-hmm. with uh, oh. less, less... And they, they often can't understand what the other people are saying. Huh. You think they're too nerdy, too geeky. It's just they look at things on a different plane, and they they have difficulty relating. They have relating. They have difficulty uh, understanding what people are saying. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I feel yeah, bad I, for and them. I would never. Yeah. That's exactly right. I, I kind of agree with Dan. It's not it's not a question of nerdy or geeky, but but you know you've you've got to be able to inspire this confidence mm-hmm. and. At the end of the day, you've got to make a connection with other people. People have to look in your eyes and say, you know what, it's cloudy outside, but there's a little opening, and this person says we can make it, and by God, we are going to make it. Mm-hmm. So it's that, you know, that is, that's not, you don't always see that in high IQ people. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's never there, mm-hmm. but... You know, it's it's probably more true than it's not. And by the way, when I've uh, on occasion given advice, career management advice to very high IQ kids, I tell them spend less time in the library, Ooh. spend more time at parties, bars, wherever, <laughs> wherever you would socialize, and deal with people yeah. who, frankly, aren't as smart as you. I try not to say it that way, yeah. but deal yeah. with with all yeah. all elements of society because you're going to have to if you want to be successful, you got to relate to all elements of society yeah, in your older years. That's probably true. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, um, I have great concerns about that in our educational system because, mm-hmm. 
we we are on campuses uh, interviewing. We were at an Ivy League college a couple months ago. We interviewed 50 people, and guess what? We didn't bring anybody in really? to, be, okay. because they could not connect. Mm. They, mm. Um, I, I think that is an issue uh, I, in life, wow. because in life it's not black or white. Um, it is today more than ever full of ambiguity. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, navigating that ambiguity is not, uh, you know, it's not an absolute score. Yeah. You know, everything is relative. So let me ask you about team versus uh, individual contributors. Um, when you're beginning your career, do you have to beat everybody else uh, out in order to advance to the same level? There was a sense a while ago that was the key to the next job up. You had to stand out by through competition. Is that still the case, or is it people much more team-based, you, know, do you think, I, at that listen, level? You know, what, yeah, I mean, you know, not everybody gets a trophy. I mean, you know, and, and you can't teach hustle. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's probably a little less over today than it was, say, 20, 20 or 30 years ago. Okay. Um, but I would say, so I wouldn't focus on that. What I would focus on is being indispensable to somebody else. So hmm. in, your, in your first jobs or even later jobs, you know, you want to be known for something. So I would encourage people on this whole learning thing and to be known for something, uh, then be indispensable to your boss. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, your boss, what, what we found at Corn Ferry is, is we kind of say it's 70, 20, 10 when it comes to learning. 70% um, you know, plus plus another twenty is 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 your assignment and your boss. Only ten percent is is actually from the classroom. Huh, yep, so most yep. of your learning post college yep. is going to be from others yep. around you. So mm-hmm. you know you you've got to be indispensable to mm-hmm. somebody else. You know, one of your uh, colleagues at an, another uh, executive search firm who wrote a book about a similar topic a while ago had this. Uh, had five rules, and one of them basically was figure out. So I think, tell me if this is what you're saying too, that uh, figure out the measure on which you can really terrifically excel. And if you got to bag other aspects of your job to do that, go ahead and do it. Blow off the other things. Find something where you can really distinguish yourself, and stick to that. Does that sound? Like uh, consistent with it what is, you're saying, you know, and and when you're look when you're starting out even even a little later at the end of the day, you know, you want to make your boss look really good. I mean, let's yeah, not just let's not forget that because yeah, he or yeah. she's going to have an enormous impact mm-hmm. on your learning, development, assignments, and promotion. And on that, one of the things that people started to say, and you could tell me whether you think this is true, is that your immediate boss was less important, uh, and all the people around you were more important in terms of your career. Is that really true, or do you think the your immediate boss is still the big fish here? Uh, the, the, come on. I mean, we can, all, we can put flowers around it all we want, um, you know, and there's probably more flowers today than there's ever been, but no, it's, it's, it's who's going to determine your compensation, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to mm-hmm. determine. When it comes right down to it, are you going to get that raise? Are you going to get that bonus? Are you going to get that promotion? Who's going to make that judgment? Yep. And, and I guarantee you, you have to have a sponsor. Um, it, it, you know, it's not going to, it may be done by committee at some point, but, 
you got to have somebody who you have, um, you know, who, who you've done a great job for. Yeah, who opens some doors for you. Last uh, question, Gary. Something has struck me a lot, uh, even at the executive level, is the amount of fraud that goes on. You know, people faking aspects of their resumes and faking university degrees and all that kind of stuff. Why do you think that happens? At It's going on even at the senior level. We've talked about some yeah. of these at the show. Yeah. Um, why do you think yeah, do you think people it, the people can think they can get away with it or what's what's going on? You yeah, think? they do. They, they think little they white lies. It's, oh, yeah, okay. little, little white lies. So it's um, it's it's in the book. I talk about the most common interview mistakes. Okay. So that is number one. Um, do not inflate. Do not exaggerate. Do not you know don't claim credit for all of humanity. I mean, I yeah. I'll never forget. I I had a resume, and and the person um, there was something on the resume that said friends of the freeway project. So as I started to explore, well, it turns out, you know, it was prison time. So, so don't don't confuse community service and prison time. And and the I'll tell you the opposite of that story. The opposite of that story was a lady who served uh, prison time for manslaughter. And I got a call, and they said, hey, would you have a problem? She served her time, paid her dues. T- terrible story. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to hear the story. I mean, mm. pay, paid her dues to society, and I said, absolutely, we'd hire her. Would you? Um, mm, turned out to be an incredible employee. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the mirror, that's the opposite of the white lie, but just being dead-handed yeah. on what happened. Yeah, so if your resume says five years state institution, um, <laughs> people, people are going to ask a little bit about what that means. You're yeah. going to get caught. Yeah. Gary, thanks very much for being with us. This is fun. Um, Gary Bernson's new book is Lose the Resume, Land the Job. He's the CEO of Corn Ferry. It's a book of advice about how to navigate the current job market. We're going to take a break here and come back in a little bit. And Dan and I are talking about something really fun, which I will figure out in just Fascinating. See you in a minute. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.